Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, almost 70 years after it was taken off the tracks, an original Christchurch tram has been painstakingly restored to its 1920 appearance. The old girl's 114 years old. She's never looked better. You can find some photos of her on our RNZ Nights Facebook page. Used to run on the Papua Nui Kashmir line, carrying commuters up the hill until it uh, was decommissioned, along with the rest of the tramway system, in 1954. And it took a group of diehard volunteers over 12 years to restore this tram, Tram 24, to her former glory. Stephen Taylor is a board member of the Tramway Historical Society in Christchurch, and he's been mucking in on the restoration joins me in our Christchurch studio. Stephen, it feels like a very impersonal name, Tram 24. Does she have another one, do you think, that we could use? She's got a longer name, yeah. which is Christchurch Hills Car number 24. Uh, even there, it feels, it feels a bit too, you know, what about Daisy? You no, know? no, no. As far as we're concerned, every tram is known by its number. Right, okay. And, and uh, each tram is unique, but uh, they're they're definitely known by their numbers. So, so it's, it, it's not really a thing to give trams names the way that it would be for, for ships or vessels. Only when they're playing up. Only when they're playing up. <laughs> um, so Tram 24, um, is she back on the tracks in Christchurch as we speak? She is. That must feel good. It, it does. Because it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It is. Um, it, it feels longer than it possibly it has been, but... Uh, each of them is different, and the restoration of a tram is a very much a individual thing because we only ever tend to restore one of each model. Mm. Tell me a bit about your involvement with this project. How did you get involved in the first place? I joined the Tramway Historical Society in 2003. Mm-hmm. Got a background in project management and also some DIY skills, mm-hmm. particularly in the woodworking side of things, and I was at a bit of a loose end and got hooked into an open day, and they invited me to come along, and I decided to become a member. Scroll forward about um, seven years or so, mm-hmm. the Tramway Society was finishing off its its current major restoration project and was looking for the next one, mm-hmm. and they decided for a number of reasons to restore tram number 24. So we did a conservation plan, which eventually got finished about 2008, and then Immediately following the earthquakes, because other projects have got out of the way, mm-hmm. we were then started on the restoration of 24, which was sort of basically the next restoration project off the ranks. The next cab off the ranks, as it were. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, we will get uh, to the process of restoring Tram 24 and, and, and what that involved, but let's talk first of all about who actually did it, because it was mainly volunteers at the Tramway Historical Society, wasn't it? It started with mainly volunteers of the Tramway Historical Society. Uh-huh. Volunteers basically worked on it for about the first nine or ten years. We have an associated organisation, the Heritage Tramways Trust, that leases some of our trams to the city tramway in town, and they also have a a number of paid staff. 
their wages are typically paid by the leasing of the, the money we get from leasing the trams, right. and they are essentially professional tram restorers. They've gone up through the ranks and learned how to do that sort of work. So initially, we were doing the restoration work with the people, the professional people in the background, giving us a few hints here and there. Yeah. And where possible, or something was a bit beyond us, we'd employ them for a few weeks to do a particular part of the project. I, I imagine it's a it's a pretty well actually enlighten me. Is it a pretty s- specific skill set? Tram restoration, like you know, like like stained glass not, or masonry. Not really. Not really. We've got, We've got a whole range of skills there. So the guy who who's the heads up the professional restoration side of it, mm. he was trained as a cabinet maker, did a cabinet making apprenticeship, yeah. and so he knows everything about how woodworking and so forth goes together. But it's also old style coach building. Um, if you've got metalworking skills, you've got uh, mechanical skills, you've got electrical skills. All those sorts of skills come into it. So no one person tends to have all of them. And so if you've got a general put-your-hand-to-anything sort of mindset and some people who know the details about how to, how to do the detailed stuff, um, that's basically what you need. Let, let's talk a bit about the history and the story of, of Tram 24. Um, yes. She was put on the tracks, am I right in saying, around 19, 1920? Uh, yes and no. Okay. It was actually started off in 1905. Mm-hmm. That's when the Christchurch tramways brought in their first batch of electric trams. Right. And one of those trams was double-decker tram number 24. Double-decker tram number 24, along with its two other double-decker mates, was not terribly successful in service. So what they eventually did is they took it out of service and built a new tram, which inherited the same fleet number and the trucks and mechanicals and electrical equipment. And that became the new tram number 24, so it was built to a 1911 design, yeah. but it went into service in 1920, end of 1920. And essentially those three Hills cars, though we call them the Series 2 Hills cars, uh-huh. they were virtually identical to the Series 1s except for cosmetic stuff. But they replaced the three double-deckers that had the same fleet, fleet numbers. Yeah, some Ship of Theseus stuff going on here. Now, now, tell me, when it comes to Tram 24, was it any different mechanically to the rest of the fleet in the sense that, because she had to go up hills, up Hackthorn Road, which is a pretty steep road when you're talking Christchurch. Yes, it is. It's, it, it's, most of Christchurch is flat, and yeah. it's the, that was the only tram route that went up the hills, and it went up to what was called the Sign of the Tarkahi, mm-hmm. which was a, a tea house like slash castle built probably halfway up to the summit road but it basically it started off in the 1930s as a roadhouse but that's that was where the top of the tram route was right and that opened in in the mid teens 1900s uh, 1910s mm-hmm. to 20s and they needed some trams that could get up there so the original hills cars that was their job what they had was extra powerful motors and extra track brakes. Okay. But having said that, the extra powerful motors and the extra track brakes weren't fitted until about 1926. And we restored it to its appearance as it was in about 1920. Right. Okay. So uh, it was a hills car and everything except for its ability to climb hills <laughs> to start with because the double-decker tram whose electrical and mechanical equipment it inherited wasn't hills capable. And, and just to contextualise this for people, you know, trams back in, in this sort of, um, you know, early to mid 
20th century. They, they were a legit mode of transport that many, that, many people used. That was, that was public transport. Yeah. Where you see buses today, and particularly interesting in Christchurch, because all the tram routes became bus routes. Mm. Following the Second World War, when all our tram systems were run down because they hadn't had any maintenance done to them for a number of years, and everything basically was so worn out it needed to be replaced, they went buses, but they put the buses on the tram routes. Mm. And that also applied to virtually every city in New Zealand that had trams. They eventually got replaced by public buses. Diesel buses were the new things. Mm. You didn't need to put tramway overhead up in the sky. You didn't have to put tracks in the ground. Those things didn't need maintenance. The roads were done by the councils or whatever. So all they had to do was the buses. There's it was a, actually a cheaper way of doing things at that time. There's, there's a bleak irony to it, isn't it, in that these were electric trams that we were using more than 100 years ago. And then in the mid-20th century, we, we switched to a sort of mode of public transport that was powered by fossil fuels. And, and these days, we'd, we'd try to electrify things again. Yeah, well, remember places like Wellington, Auckland, Dunedin, and even Christchurch had trolley buses for a period. Yeah. So they used to follow the same path. So a lot of those cities, they replaced their, some of their trams with trolley buses and some of them with diesel buses. But the problem with trams and also trolley buses to a lesser extent, they had to go where the overhead was. So yeah. if you needed to change a route, it was quite a bit of capital investment to make that happen. And I, I suppose as well, the rise of the private car in that sort of mid-20th century must have contributed to the, the, um, the closing of the, the tramways as well? It did. It, in fact, it, it had been an issue, for, particularly for Christchurch, right, virtually from the inception of the tramways, mm. because not only did you have private cars, particularly in Christchurch, you had a lot of bicycles. Right, yeah. And so on fine weather, everybody would ride their bicycle to work, save money. In wet weather, everybody wanted to ride the trams. So you had, a, on a fine weather, it was a, a famine in terms of passengers, and in wet weather, it was a feast. <laughs> So how are you going to make make something like that economically viable? Exactly. So the, the, the tramways are decommissioned altogether in 1954. And um, so tell me a bit about Tram 24's journey after it was taken off the tracks. Okay. After it was taken off the tracks, and it ran in the last day of public service on the 10th of September 1954. Mm-hmm. This, the 11th of September was two trams doing a ceremonial last trip. Mm. So that was the day it officially closed. What happened then was that the Christchurch Transport Board, generally speaking, stripped all the trams of electrical equipment, trucks and so forth, anything that had any monetary value from being scrapped. And then they sold the bodies off to people who wanted holiday homes or sheds or workshops or whatever. Right. People bought them for all sorts of purposes. A number of people bought them for um, clubhouses. Mm-hmm. One of the trams we restored, it was actually came from the Geraldine Gun Club. They had purchased it. <laughs> this particular one, number 24, it had been purchased by a sc- church, and I'm not quite sure which church, uh-huh. but it was in North Canterbury in an area called West Ayrton, okay. Horrible, yeah. as a Sunday school. And they used it as a Sunday school for a number of years. And then... Once it came out of use in that form, it was then taken over and being used as a hay shed. (laughs) They're storing hay in it. And that's the situation it was found by the members of the Tramway Historical Society Mm -hmm. in 1968. Thereupon, it was then trucked out to Ferrymead on the back of a truck and trailer combination Uh and used for storage inside a tram shed for the best part of... 
well, up until about 2010. Wow. So for the best part of, what, nearly 40 years? Over, yes. over 40 years? Yes. And we have a number of other trams there still waiting. Restoration have been there for an equivalent period of time. So it's still ongoing. Stephen, I imagine there is a, a particular kind of artistry to restoring uh, a beautiful old piece of machinery like this. So t- talk me through some of the steps that you had to go through. Presumably you wanted to keep as, as many of the original parts as, as you could? Yes, we did. As a tram goes through life, its appearance changes for operational reasons. They do various things to them. And in the case of this tram, it had a large open section at one end and a large and a smaller enclosed saloon at the other end. Mm-hmm. In the late 1920s, it had aluminium sides that came like blinds that came down over the open section to make it a little bit more friendly in the winter. Mm-hmm. They were left permanently down. So it essentially, by the 1930s, evolved into a fully enclosed tram. Right. And they put the sliding doors on the side of it so they could get passengers in and out of it. It had about three or four different coats of paint on the exterior. The interior went from nice varnished woodwork to painted wood because it was easier to um, keep up. And if you did repairs, if you slap a coat of paint over, it looked like everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also ended up with padded leather seats. So one of the things we did, we talked about the conservation plan, which we did in 2008, uh-huh. is you pick an, a period that you want to restore the tram to. Right. And you say, okay, what's correct for that period? And what period do you want to select and for what reasons? And for what reasons. And, and I suppose because uh, th- this might seem sort of obvious, but there aren't too many people from the 1920s who are around these days. So what, you needed to find as many photos as you could, uh, lay hands on plans, I suppose, if, if, if you could yes, find them? Uh, yes, we had plans, particularly of the Series 1 Hills cars, and we were able to use those. There were a lot of photographic records that we ourselves as an organisation collected over time, and also places like um, Alexander Turnbull Library, the Christchurch Public Library, newspaper articles, although they tended not to have photographs so much. It's a mission, isn't it? Yeah. So you try to bring all that information together. You say, okay, we now know enough to get started because you find stuff out as you go along too. How much did you have to, because I I imagine that you'd have to strip the stuff that you can't keep off the tram. Um, You know, once once you boiled it down to what you can keep and what did it actually look like? One of the great things about Hills Car 24, it was mostly complete and most of the changes they made to it were more in the nature of cosmetic. So they put a sliding, put sliding doors on the side. Right. We could take the sliding doors off yeah, yeah. and reinstate what they had there previously. It had the aluminium panels that slid down. Now, we had to replace those because um, they had a mixture of aluminium panels and steel slides and they... Over time, the aluminium reacted with the steel and you got a sort of corrosion-type effect going Mm -hmm. on. So we had to make new aluminium panels that matched the original ones. But what we did, essentially, was we did a good survey of the tram, worked out what it had, what it was missing, and it was more a case of what it was missing and what other parts that we'd raided off other tram bodies that we weren't able to collect but were able to get bits and pieces off from the owners and say, okay, we've got all this stuff, we've got tram in this situation, what do we need to make or find, and how do we go about restoring it? And in parallel with that, we did a project to make up the two trucks or bogies that the tram ran on. The motors that came off a couple of Melbourne trams that were 
more or less the right size and shape as with the driving axles we got the pony wheels and then fitted brakes and all the other bits and pieces that needed to be fitted to that so that all happened as a parallel process while the body of the tram was restored and also then there was the electrical equipment some of which had to be renovated and some of which had to be um, procured from scratch. I think I'm starting to understand why it took the best part of 12 years to restore this. Well, the other, the other part of it, I said I was normally get sort of seven or eight hours a week on it. Mm. Normally Saturdays, mostly Saturday afternoons, you say you need 20 roof pillars. So you take the 18 or 19 that are left on the tram, mm-hmm. work out which ones you can fix and which ones you're going to have to replace. The ones you fix, you've got to splice replacement wood in where the existing wood's rotten. And then you make the new ones out of the same sort of timber as near as possible. And it looks like for six months while you're doing all that, nothing much is happening. Mm -hmm. And then you fit all those bits, and that takes a couple of weeks. And it looks like you've made an amazing amount of progress in a short period of time. (laughs) (laughs) And then you repeat for the next bit. (laughs) Tips are impressing your project manager. There you go. Yeah. So, Stephen, what's the the response been like from the public to this? Because, you know, I imagine... They're a real tourist attraction, the trams in Christchurch, aren't they? But Christchurch locals, um, you know, m- m- many people in that city would probably remember the trams running back in the day. And uh, 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 When you think about it, um, most of the people who remember the trams running back in the days, this is 1954 yeah. when they finished. To remember them, they would have to probably be 10 years older than that. So you're right, talking yeah. about people who are close to 80 years old now. That's true. God. It's, it's actually it's longer so, and, ago and, than I think. It's 70 years ago now, isn't it? Goodness me. We do have people who remember them. One of the guys who is one of our members, when he was a schoolboy, he used to live at somewhere near the bottom of Kashmir Hill, and he used to ride the trams to high school down the Kashmir Papanui line, and he actually got to ride on 24 to school. And one day he was showing a bit of an interest in the trams, and the... Uh, they were doing a bit of shunting at the bottom of Cashmere uh, Hill, where, where meets Barrington Street, mm-hmm. and he was offered a drive, probably only about 20, 30 metres, yeah. probably, and completely illegal. Health and safety <laughs> would frown on that stuff today. But he actually drove that tram. And so when we got it finished to a state where he could drive it again, he had another go at driving that tram. Please, please. And um, he was absolutely wrapped by that. I bet. I bet. But, uh, yeah. It's a great story, Stephen, um, and, uh, you know, I suppose, it, you know, part of this happened because you happened to rock up to a meeting and, and join the Tramway Historical Society one day back in the early 2000s. Um, yeah. p- people who are, who's, whose fire in their belly has been lit by this story, H- how would they join up if they, if they were so, so minded? Well, we've got a number of ways that they can join up. Um, obviously, if you're in Christchurch, which is where... I would say the majority of our members, but certainly not all of them, reside. They can visit our tram barns, see the work that we do, because not all the work we do is restoration. We also operate the trams out there. We've got people who are interested in tram history and also buses and trolley buses and, dare I say it, administration work, doing track work, um, all sorts of things. So we're not necessarily everybody's going to be a tram restorer, and nor does everybody want to be. We also have a website, which... Unfortunately, is a little bit out of date, mm-hmm. but we have got membership information on there and also some information about some of our projects and some of our trams and other vehicles. What a lovely story. Stephen, Stephen Taylor, uh, thank you very much for coming on and, and telling me about it. It's been, it's been really great. Thank you. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.